This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today. And may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. But let me read the story for you. A few weeks ago, my daughter Lily, who was returning to Silver Springs, Maryland after spending the July 4 weekend with her aunt in Connecticut, encountered a highway experience. My cell phone rang at about 3.30 p.m. that July 4 afternoon. Daddy, my car is overheating, she said. The needle is at the top of the red bar. What should I do? Where are you? I inquired. She indicated that she was somewhere on the New Jersey Turnpike heading south. She knew no one in New Jersey and was obviously concerned, as I was, about being stranded in a no-man's land. I instructed her to pull over immediately, open the hood, make some casual observations to see if the cooling system had, had any fluid or whether there were any obvious leaks. I also advised her to call AAA. Now, a few weeks before that, I had called AAA to tow my car to Pet Boys near my home in Apopka after I had stalled on the Florida Turnpike. I was about 19 miles from home and I was certainly grateful for the experience, uh, for the service rather, provided at such a late hour of night, it was about 10 p.m., and I was actually driving from Florida uh, Hospital Celebration where my wife was for a day or two. So that same week, after being told, I received a flyer from AAA with an offer to add a relative to my membership for a small fee. Knowing that my daughter, who was in law school at the time and was going to uh, Maryland for an internship, I said, summer internship in Maryland, uh, I think this is a good opportunity. So I filled out the application, immediately mailed it to AAA and told her what I had done. Just in case you could get in any trouble, you're on my membership, just call AAA. As we talked about the, her situation on the road, we realized that we, that I realized that I had not received her membership card before she left. I gave her my membership number and hoped that would suffice. So she called AAA, gave her name, my number, and indicated her location. She was informed that the Turnpike was a private road serviced only by the Turnpike Authority who, contacted towing who contracted towing companies to service the Turnpike. So AAA was not authorized to tow vehicles off the Turnpike. The AAA representative further explained that if the Turnpike Authority moved her car from the highway to a specific location, then AAA would then tow her vehicle to an auto repair establishment of her choice. The AAA representative offered to call the Turnpike Service and meet her at a specified location. In a few minutes, both the tow trucks arrived and the first step was completed. But where would she take her car on a July 4 holiday evening? She didn't know anybody in New Jersey. Most establishments are closed and she was a stranger. So the, the Turnpike towing driver suggested that there was a reputable auto repair service just about 1.3 miles away, and that was well within the free mileage towing that AAA offers. However, 
it is not on the AAA approved list. So she was pretty much on her own. At my advice, she agreed to take her car there and then she called a friend in Philadelphia who agreed to meet her in about 45 minutes. By the way, that friend is now her husband. Now, don't, don't read too much into this story. Uh, she had known him before, they were friends, so it, it, it was a, a, a good meeting there for her anyway. A good place to break down because Philadelphia, those of you who know the area, isn't too far from the uh, New Jersey Turnpike. So, the mechanic did a cursory examination, provided a report of the problem, and he told her that uh, when he opened the garage on the following day, he would do a thorough analysis, provide a repair estimate, and she can come back and pick the car up. Well, with a prayer in her hearts, we went, she went with her friend, who by this time had arrived from Philadelphia, and the AAA driver, it seemed, had left her in good hands. She returned to pick up the car, but a week later, it was repaired and she drove back safely to Maryland. However, about a week after that experience, she got up one morning to go to work, which by the way was at the general conference office where her internship was, and the car wouldn't start. Hmm. Of course, she did what all girls do. Daddy, my car won't start. So I said, call AAA. They will give you a jump and you can take your car to get a new battery sometime later on. So she called AAA. The AAA representative indicated that she was not a member and that her name was not listed under her parents' membership and that they could not provide the service. So obviously she called me and I was furious. On a three-way call between, with me, her, and the AAA person, I insisted an explanation and the one that they gave me was unacceptable. I said just a week ago, I called AAA, or, or rather she said, uh, just a week ago, I called AAA and a tow truck was sent to tow my car to a repair shop. So how could you say I'm not in AAA? And I demanded to meet, to speak with a supervisor who calmly agreed to investigate the matter. Sir, there's no record of your daughter's membership. There is no record that we have of any call to New Jersey on July 4, and there is no record of any AAA representative towing your car away. The last call that we have had from you was one in Orlando when you called and we, to we towed your car to the Pep Boys location. At that point, our call became accidentally disconnected. And I decided to pursue the matter at another time. But over the next few days, I thought about it a lot. One, AAA can find no record of my daughter calling them 
to move the car. They claimed that they had never sent a driver to that location. And then my daughter recalls that at that time, AAA, the AAA driver had never asked her for her card, never completed any paperwork, and did not ask her to sign anything. The AAA driver took her to the repair location and then disappeared into the night. The repairs were well done as she drove her 2001 Saturn safely back to Orlando at the end of the summer. What do you make of this story? You can make up your mind in one or two ways. You can say this guy is a lying fool. <laughs> or you can say that God intervenes in our lives in remarkable moments and provides us with stories that encourage us and provide hope. I'll tell you, for me, at that time, I looked at all the stories in my life and they, they provided me with hope at a time when I desperately needed. When I was, was recovering from cancer and many people thought I'd never make it. To me, it was a story of hope in a journey that I could say, God is still there. There are several other stories around the time I went through my experience. And some people will look at them and say, it's just coincidence. I don't believe that most of the things that happen to us are just coincidence. Sometimes we don't see the stories behind the story. But I believe that in most of the exp our experiences in life, God can find a way to lead and help us to understand better or walk with him. In your life, have you been looking for those personal stories that help you in this journey called life? So, despite all the distractions, I want you to remember a couple of things. I want you to remember that we are a team. We are all in this together. Family, church members, colleagues at work, friends. Notice, I didn't say you have to follow them. I just said we are all in it together. We are heading in the same destination, but the only person you follow is Jesus Christ. We make too many excuses sometimes to end our walk. We look at people and say, she did this, he did this, I'm going to stop walking. The only person you follow is Jesus Christ. Paul describes this experience using another analogy. He talks about the body. He said the body is not really a body unless there, is more, there are more than one part. It takes many parts to make a single body. And reading from the contemporary English version, that's why the eyes cannot say they don't need the hands. That's also why the head cannot say it doesn't need 
defeat. We all need each other. So don't be sidetracked by the road. Enjoy the journey as we go ahead. Worrying about the road can make you stop to look at the tires and delay your time. And my next point, I, I had a, a, a video clip I wanted to show, but I, I'm going to skip that because I too can smell the kitchen. We are somehow stuck in the first century, some of us, and God has moved on. I want to give you two examples of how God dealt with issues. Now, I'm not attempting to tell you that any particular thing uh, is necessarily right or wrong. I'm going to leave that to your conscience and to your understanding of the Word of God. But I had an experience when I was a child with my, my dad did something and I was, I was surprised at it. And as I, he explained then, and as I read the Bible now, I want you to go to the Old Testament for a minute. You don't have to search for it. I'll, I'll read the passage for you. In Deuteronomy 14, verse 21, it says, you belong to the Lord your God. So if you happen to find a dead animal, don't eat its meat. In other words, if you have an animal and your animal uh, got accidentally killed, and the, the passage was referring in the, old, in the, in the uh, 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 revised version or in the King James version, it seems to, to imply if you have an animal and the animal got accidentally hung, for example, and you meet it, you get to it and it's dead, he says, you know, don't eat it. Now let me ask you a question before I read the rest of the passage. Suppose a neighbor in need says, I'll eat it. Would you give it to them? Don't answer me. But this is what the passage says. You may give it to your foreigners who live in your town or sell it to foreigners who are visiting your town. Don't boil a young goat in its mother's milk, and so on. I tell you that story because when I was a child, we had uh, animals, uh, goat and sheep, and we would, you know, with the rope around the neck, we would take them out and, and, and uh, tie them to a stake somewhere where they can feed for the day. And one day, when we went to retrieve the animals, there was one of those goats that was hung. He went around several stakes on a slope and apparently slid down this little slope and was hung. We went there, the body was kind of still warm. Apparently it had just died. And my dad said, we won't eat that. But there were some neighbors who wanted it and he gave it to them. He said, you can have it, you can eat it. And, and I, I gave you this story to suggest that sometimes we go out of our way to make people do things that we believe aren't right or we believe by our conviction shouldn't be done. But you know, 
God frees us somehow to allow all consciences to be our guides. He, God is not a God of force. He is a God of choices. In the New Testament, you remember Jesus on the Sabbath. One Sabbath, Jesus and his disciples were walking through some wheat fields. His disciples were picking grains of wheat as they went along. And some Pharisees said, why are your disciples picking grain on the Sabbath? They are not supposed to do that. Now, if they were in some of our Adventist churches today, we would do what the Pharisees wanted Jesus to do. Not just even suggest that they shouldn't do it, but we would tie their hands and say, you are not going to do that. Almost what some of us like to refer to as the Christian Taliban. <laughs> we are so convinced of rights and wrongs that we think it is okay to enforce it on others. You also remember the story of Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman. Was he supposed to speak to a Samaritan? Well, that was the, the tradition of the day anyway. In other words, that, that's, those were the rules of the church, so to speak. Not speak to a Samaritan woman, not speak to a woman, period. Would you please give me a drink, he asked her. And you remember the rest of the story. So we are on this journey, as we say, this journey to the kingdom. Are we there yet? No, not yet. When will we get there? I don't know, neither do you. Does that change your travel plans? Well, for one thing I know, if you stop, you'll never get there. If you get sidetracked, you just delay the journey and make it more difficult for yourself. But it's a team effort. That's the reason God has placed so many of us together in one place. The goal is to work together and to help each other. Paul says, you are running so well. Who cut in on you, deflecting you from true, the true course of obedience? Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 68, the message version says, You take over, I'm about to die, my life an offering on God's altar. This is the only race worth running. I've run hard to the finish. I've believed all the way. All that's left now is the shouting. He'll do it right, not only by me, as Paul says, but by everyone who is eager for his coming. So today my, my message is very simple. I'm not targeting any one person or any one group. Whether you are married or you're single, whether you're divorced or you're engaged, whether you're gay or whether you're straight, whether you're West Indian or African, whether you're white or Latino, or Latina, whether you're Asian or East Indian, 
whether you're baptized or whether you're not, no matter what your ethnicity or your religious persuasion, whether you're a conservative Adventist or you consider yourself liberal, whether your political persuasion is Democrat, Republican, or Libertarian, we journey together on this spiritual war. One of the things I've, I've been uh, actively engaged in over the last, well, 10 years or so is bike riding. I love to ride. I, I, I rode bike very often. And I've learned a few things about biking. You've probably seen some images of the Tour de France, uh, and you've seen these bikers riding in groups, and, and they often ride in teams. And you can see the teams based on the various uh, uh, colors of their, their, their outfits. But as a team, they are, what they do is really work for each other. You know, I've discovered that when you're riding in a group, and you're riding behind someone, you actually use about 30% less energy than the persons at the front. Because not only do they block the wind, but the physics of a group moving together means that you all actually move much faster than if you were riding alone. And there's an interesting lesson in that for us. If you are traveling on this road of life, one of your responsibilities is to shield the wind for the weaker. And if you are ahead, ride hard because you are the stronger. Give a helping hand to those who need. Let's remove a couple of words from our vocabulary as it, as it refers to this war. Criticize and ostracize. Let's encourage and uplift. We're not there yet. Let's stop worrying about the destination and let's enjoy the journey together. The victory will only be at the end of the road, not before, before you get there.